Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast is proudly sponsored by The Terrace, the home of retro and fan culture sports merchandise. Check out their range of forest merch by visiting theterracestore.com or visit them on social media. Hello and welcome to a bonus 1865 podcast with me, Rich Ferraro. In today's episode, we will be reviewing the Reds' efforts in the transfer window and assessing the potential impact on the squad as far as chase the playoffs or maybe even better. We also hope to have a few thoughts about Lewis Graben's injury, the Leicester match and other forthcoming fixtures. Now, I'm joined today by a familiar voice. So hello to Stephen Topless. Hello. And also, we have been busy in the transfer market as well. So we have our fresh face, new signing, an injection of youth into the podcast. Welcome to Adam, the Cycling Defender. Hi, all right, guys. Thanks for having me. Okie doke. Right, so let's get straight in and start off with the transfers who've come in. Um, to start off with, Stephen, we've already discussed it, haven't we? Uh, Keenan Davis and Steve Cook. I think it's fair to say that both of them have come in and looked right at home in a red shirt, haven't they? They have, and both signings were made very early on in the transfer window. Um, I think one even was on New Year's Day. That's how quickly Forrest were moving to get these players in. And we we knew we needed another striker at that point anyway, with Graben and Taylor, the only real senior options available. And Keenan Davis coming in from, from Villa has 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 made a real impact with his performances, with his presence, with his his ability on the ball and now with his, his two goals in the last two games. So he's, he's proved already to be a really good addition. And Steve Cook from Bournemouth with, with his experiences has brought another level of security to, to the back line. And with the injury that we've had now to Joe Worrell in the last month, he's come in and has been able to bring that experience to our back line. And I think improve it. And Adam, Stephen just touched upon something there and we'll come on to it in a bit more detail later on. 
But uh, those signings proved to be particularly important, bearing in mind that, as Stephen said, Joe Worrell got injured and is out for a few weeks. And we've just had the news that Lewis Graben's going to be out for at least a couple of months. Um, regular listeners will know that we've said many, many times, including Baz has said, all it takes is a kick to Lewis Graben's ankle. And that's exactly what's happened. So uh, those signings, it's quite unusual for Forrest, especially in the January window, to plug gaps that haven't even emerged yet, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because obviously Grabs is a very he's a different player to Keenan Davis, um, in terms that obviously Grabs is more just you know a goal scorer. I think under Cooper he's evolved his game into a bit more. Like you've almost seen him sort of off the wing at times, like putting balls into the box and things like that, which is you know it's it's different for him. But yeah, Keenan Davis has come in, and you know I think a lot of Forest fans, when we sign a striker, especially go straight to Wikipedia or straight to look at stats and go, oh, he's, you know, he's only scored three or four goals in 70-odd games for Villa, and that's that's not, you know, that's not what we need. But he's come in, he's got two goals and four for us. Um, he just looks like he's a proper bulldozer of a striker. And I, I don't remember us having that for a really long time, like, especially one that actually went and put balls in the net as well. Deli had a bowler. But that's what, what's that now, like 10 years ago? Do you know what I mean? Like, that, it's, doesn't seem like 10 years ago, does it? But yeah, um, look, I think I, I'm really impressed with Keenan Davis. Obviously, I think Surridge as well coming in on deadline day. Um, I think he's, again, a lot of Forest fans have already judged him because he hasn't got a prolific goal record. But I think he just needs a manager to believe in him. And Steve Cooper does improve young players. So I think that both strikers could really flourish under him. Yeah, so there you go. There's a really important point you've made there, which is that Graben got um, got crocked and straight away Forrest were able to take advantage of the last day of the transfer window and bring in Sam Surridge. We um, thought we need to find out a little bit more about Surridge from someone who's actually seen him play. So uh, let's just have a listen to this. Hey guys, my name's Ben. I'm from Stoke City Podcast, the YYY Files. It was a bit of an interesting one. He was Michael O'Neill's top target in the summer. Um, he said he needed a striker that he can invest in in the long term. And Surridge was a player that we didn't really have at the time, supposed to be a, a bit of a poacher, really. Um, and he's seen that way, you know. Um, he scored two goals in his first two games, one in the league, one in the cup. And it looked like it was going to be a really good investment. Someone that's hit the ground running in a Stokeshire for the first time in a long time. Looked like he just needed a home after not playing much at Bournemouth. And then slowly slowly the wheels started coming off and he'd be missing some absolutely glorious chances and since those first two games he hasn't scored since some of the chances he's been missing are absolutely criminal six yards out three yards out right foot left foot header whatever you like he he has missed some absolutely glorious chances for stoke um he's only scored the two goals his expected goals is 4.63, which is the highest of any Stoke player in this team, considering that he's only made six starts. Um, that's that's remarkable, really. So what could you take away from that? Well, maybe two things. One, you know, he gets in the right positions, clearly, and Stoke were able to use him to good effect in that front. So if you play in a similar way, I know that we were using wingbacks quite heavily. Nick Powell was able to feed him quite well, and players like that, Mario Vrancic, very similar. So if you're able to, you know, feed him, he will get chances. But 
let's just hope his finishing is more up to scratch with you guys than he was for us because quite frankly he cost us games on his own um i believe he's missed penalties he's got red cards for us as well all within four months and i think it was right that michael o'neill cut short on the project that he had in mind for sam Surridge. it sounds like he didn't settle in very well at stoke um how he'll settle in with you guys who knows but he needs a home there's a player in there there really is but it wasn't with Stoke. Stephen, what Ben had to say there was quite a mixed bag, wasn't it? It was a player who who came in, had confidence. Crucially, he was um, Michael O'Neill's first choice transfer target in the summer window. Got off to a great start and then it's fizzled out. So do you reckon it's just one of those things, as Michael O'Neill said, whereby Surridge, he just struggled to settle and therefore there's hope for him in a red shirt at Forest. It's quite a common thing, this, where players will move to a new club and, and it just doesn't quite work out for them. And they need to go elsewhere to sort of kickstart their careers again. And it seems like this might be the case with Sam Surridge. And coming into Forest with Steve Cooper as manager, I think will be a big, a big bonus for him because he's worked with him already at Swansea, had a loan spell there while, whilst Cooper was manager. And... As a young player himself, he's he's still only 23. He He's probably at the point now where he, he is ready to settle down and become more of a senior established player. And he's in that transition between youth prospects and, and sort of established pro. But I think it, he's got Steve Cooper now with him who who can bring him on and develop him in the way that we know Steve Cooper can with, with these young players. So the fact that they've worked together previously and with reasonable success as well when when he was at Swansea uh Surridge scored seven goals in 10 starts and 14 sub appearances so it's not not a bad record at all really and with with his age and also reading about him this week his desire to improve his game and work hard on his game I think this signing could prove to be quite a shrewd one from Forrest's point of view and Adam, that's, uh, so there's a couple of things to pick up on there. One of them is that Ben pointed out that um, Surridge, you know, Stoke have changed the way they play slightly in terms of formations and, and style and so on since since he signed. The other thing is, I say, Michael O'Neill, he signed him as his number one transfer target. And you were commenting that it's a confidence thing. Strikers need to be loved and, and Surridge probably didn't feel that loved at Stoke? Yeah, I think that, I think Michael O'Neill is a fantastic manager, especially at this level. And I think, but I think when I've listened to his interviews and stuff, he just seemed very, very harsh. Um, you know, he's not, he's not a Steve Cooper type bloke. Um, <clears throat> I think that's really, it, it's difficult for Sam Surridge because he's, he's, whenever he's been at a football club, he's had a lot of substitute appearances. He, he's never really had a season where he, unless it was obviously in the lower leagues, like League Two, League One, where he's gone and started like 30, 40 games in a season. And yeah, well, for strikers, especially, momentum is so important. And if you don't have that and you can't have a run of games together and you can't sort of get a flow and get involved in the system, you know, feel wanted at a club, to then just sort of be popped back in to say, look, now you've got to come in and you've got to score as goals is hard. I mean, I think a great example is Lyle Taylor. Um, obviously came into the Forest system 
I think he was definitely told something slightly different under Chris Hewton that it'd be a front two with him and Graben and this is how we're going to play. And Lyle Taylor scored goals at every club he's been at. So he comes to Forest with a big reputation. It didn't work out and it doesn't work out for every player at every club. He's gone to Birmingham under a manager who absolutely does love him, under a manager that knows how to get the best out of him in Lee Bowyer. And I think at Birmingham he scored, he's at two goals and two now he scored last night. So I think it's all about getting the right manager at the right time in the right system. And I do think that Surridge will get that at Forest, especially because Cooper does play two strikers, not so much as a conventional front two. He plays like that sort of, it's like a free-flowing front three. That's really hard to say. So you think you could see Surridge and Davis both start against Leicester. Um, and I think that, I think they'll work well together. They're both difficult to defend against as footballers. And I think that it really could benefit us. Mm, okay. Let's move on because there's a lot of players to go through in this in this segment. Uh, and let's move on to Jonathan Panzo, who is a defender who Steve Cooper knows from the England youth setup. I have to say, I didn't know anything about him. Um, another left-sided centre-half. Stephen, do you think that is about having cover... Um, both for Scott McKenna in case something happens to him. So as we've seen with Worrell, player goes out, we need to have cover there. But also maybe in the short term, it might see either Panzo or McKenna play in the middle of the back three. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's just covering all areas again. Um, the Cardiff game, which was the day before the transfer window closed, Steve Cook also was struggling with what we think might be a thigh injury. So he could miss the next couple of games, which of course is disappointing as he's just starting to establish himself in the Forest team. But it shows again that we've gone out and identified a sensible transfer to come in. And looking at Panzo, like you say, he's a left footer, plays on that left-hand side. So it's it's just good to have that balance, knowing that if something was to happen to Scott McKenna, we've got somebody who can slot in on that left-hand side and be comfortable. Because I think that is quite a key element of how we play, being able to bring the ball higher up the pitch and having players on those sides of the pitch who are comfortable on on that left foot on the left or on the right foot down the right. And to me, it seems like a a very well-thought-out move because you've got a young defender with a lot of promise, but similar to Surridge, he's worked with the manager before, the manager will know how to get the best out of him. And as well as being a left footer, Panzo's got a bit of pace about him. And we haven't really got pace, certainly among our centre-backs uh, in the Forest squad. So I think having that pace in there will just give us another dimension to the way we defend. And also the way we play, it might allow us to play a little bit further up the pitch even because we've got some pace now to to be able to recover if needed. Yeah, I think uh, that pace thing is a, the Cardiff uh, goal we conceded for, to Jordan Hugill showed that McKenna and Cook, for all of their benefits, they, they can't keep up with a quick striker. And, and Hugill's hardly Linford Christie, is he? That's a reference for all of you from the 80s and 90s, by the way. Um, and 
just moving on from from Panzo, we're going to start talking about players who who've left the club. But one player who hasn't left the club, Adam, is Tobias Figueredo. Despite the uh, speculation, do you think that's basically the case? Uh, especially with Rodrigo Ely leaving and Joe Worrell being out for you know um, six weeks or so, that it's important to keep an established defender like Toby at the club at, at least until the end of the season. Yeah, I think. I've I've read a lot of reports saying that he did want to go, he wanted to go back to Portugal, you know, he, and that's fair enough. Um, but he and the move was lined up; it was reject. You know, we 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 then as a club said, no, you can't go. Um, I would have thought the club would have known about Eli sooner than the announcement, quite a bit sooner as well. Obviously, he hasn't featured for the club; only just come back from injury. Um, but yeah, I don't I, I don't see that Toby's going to play a lot. Of, from now until the end of the season, but he's an experienced pro. Um, I know a lot of Forest fans have got on his back in the future, but I, I don't think he's all done an awful lot wrong for us. I, I, I do think he's a solid um, backup at the very least. Um, obviously, we have Mbese as well coming back from injury, still a young player, still going to improve, going to progress. Um, but I, yeah, I think with Figueiredo, I think it's just, I think if he does, I think if he wants to leave in the summer, then that's that's fine. But you don't really want to lose squad players in January. You know, we've got a long couple of months coming up and teams that get into the playoffs, teams that get into the top two have a good squad to fall back on. If you get an injury price and you're having to play under 21 players that aren't ready, then you're going to put yourself in a more difficult situation for them and the teams. I think it's a smart move keeping him as long as he's happy to be at the club. I think that's the main thing for him is the happiness of being here still. Yeah, and I would say that I agree with you. I think Toby's a good championship defender. He's not infallible, but apart from that that weird spell of about six weeks under Chris Hewton where everything he touched went wrong, um, Toby's proven to be a reliable presence and somebody who, um, yeah, has, has shown his ability. So if he's okay with um, being at the club until his contract expires, he's someone where I think if we call on him, he probably won't let us down. Now, let's move on to players who are no longer at the club. Now, these fall into two or three categories. So we've already mentioned Rodrigo Eli. Um, it's a funny one. He was brought in. He was injured most of the time. And he said in his statement, I just want to go off somewhere where I'm going to get a chance of playing. So in that sense, I say fair play to him. On the same category, I would say, is Jordi Osei-Tutu. Forrest cut the loan short. He's now gone on loan to, I think, is it Rotherham? Is it? Someone in League One, yeah. Um, Stephen and Adam are nodding their heads at me. Um, so that's one of those things whereby if, we, if we're not going to make use of him, either due to injury or whatever, then fair play. Let him go off and, and get games elsewhere. Um, it's a shame because he looked like a decent player, but, it, you know, we need people we can rely on, don't we? Um, Jaden Richardson is staying at Notts County. Jordan Wright has left on a permanent deal. He never got near to the first team anyway. And then Tyrese Fauna has gone on loan to Shrewsbury and my uh, Salopian friends were WhatsApping me to ask, is this guy any good? And you know what? I said, he'll be great for you. He's going to be a great signing um, on loan. It'll give him some minutes. It'll enable him to build up his experience. And I retain hope that he might well be involved in the first team picture next season. Just on that similar topic there, Adam, um, obviously uh, we've mentioned uh, Rodrigo Eli and you talked about him a second ago. The other one that I almost missed off at the bottom of my notes because I added it in afterwards is Mohamed Draga. 
Um, now, are those signings leaving, are they symptomatic of the fact that they were the last dregs of the previous regime when Dane Murphy had only just come in as the chief executive? Uh, probably, yeah. I mean, look, I, when Eli came in, obviously we all looked at his CV, played for AC Milan. Um, you know, he came in with like a really good attitude, like on Twitter and stuff. He was bigging the club up and I know every player does it when they come in, don't they? But I think he, you know, he seemed to have a really good attitude. Obviously, Drager came in from Olympiacos and those transfers go one or two ways, don't they really? Like we had like Buchalakis, the centre midfielder from Olympiacos, who I thought was decent for us when he was here. Um, we've got Cafu, who's still in the squad now that we took from Olympiacos. So it, it can work. But and when he came in, I thought he'll be, you know, he might be challenging to start. Um, but Jed Spence has been, you know, one of the best right backs in the championship this season. He's never going to get in. And I think on Boxing Day, um, I don't know if Drago was injured at the time, but obviously Finn back played, which gave me the impression that Drago wasn't involved with the squad. And you think that you wouldn't have thrust Finn back into that situation if you had a senior player like Drago available. So it was pretty clear to most Forest fans that he wasn't going to get a look in. Um, and sending him off um, to Switzerland, he's gone to, isn't it? Uh, I think that's... It's, you know, it's a good move for him. He's got a new club. I hope Rodrigo Eli gets a new club as soon as possible. He seems like a, a, a nice guy, good professional and that. And, and completely honest, like you say, that he didn't he wants to play football and that's not going to happen at Forest. So, look, I think it's good to get them both off the wage bill. And Dave Murphy's not just good at bringing players in. He's good at reducing that wage bill, getting players like, for example, Carl Jacobson also left on a six-month loan, contract up in the summer. Um, again, he's had a lot of money, so it's good to get him off the wage bill. Um, and, and yeah, I think that's so important. I think it's not just about bringing the right players in, it's about getting players out. It's about shifting players that aren't going to play and are just collecting a wage every month, especially a hefty wage like Jake Concern and hopefully Harry Arter will be to follow at some point as well. Yeah, Stephen, uh, let's just pick up on a couple of the names that Adam has mentioned, not just, just now, but also uh, a few minutes ago. Lyle Taylor and Carl Jenkinson. Um, would you say that they both would go down in history as Forest panic buys? It's a strange one, isn't it? Because when Jenkinson signed, we were probably looking for a senior right back. If I remember rightly, uh, Tendai Dirikwa was injured. He'd played quite well in that ITOR season and then Sabri Lamucci came in but he was injured so we did need a right back so in we we bring Jenkinson for about two million pounds and then all of a sudden we had an incredible right back on our books already but we didn't know it at the time Matty Cash came through and and made that berth his own and Jenkinson never really got a look in after that point and it's a, probably a bit of bad timing more than anything looking back on the transfer I think it would have made more sense to have looked for obviously a cheaper option and perhaps somebody who was a bit more up and coming um who could rotate with cash and just provide that option and playing Um, devil's advocate though even when cash left and we knew that he was going to go the option of Jenkinson as first choice right back never really came up it's like oh crap we need to go out and sign someone and we ended up with Cyrus Christie so does that that probably says a lot, doesn't it? Um, either about the faith that they have in Jenkinson or potentially, and I don't want to be rude about anyone because we don't know the details, but potentially about the player's own attitude. It's true. And this is 
the the next point I was going to make. When Jenkinson did get a chance in the team, he didn't exactly impress. Didn't really make the most of the opportunities that he did get to to force his way in. So it was a combination of perhaps a bit of poor, poor planning, certainly paying that kind of money out to a player like Jenkinson. And he just didn't make the most of the chance when it came his way. And it, I think that was quite damning that we felt the need to go and find another right back when the opportunity should have been there for him to make that place his own. Well, I would also say that Steve Cooper, having watched Jenkinson play in the cup match where Forrest went to Swansea and uh, that, that moment that went viral, that probably helped Cooper make up his mind, didn't it? Um, and just still with you, Stephen, on Lyle Taylor, um, again, a signing is quite a similar one, really, isn't it? Oh, we need another striker. There's a player who's available. He was available on a free, but on high wages. Uh, his reported wages are 20 grand a week. Again, that strikes me as as being symptomatic of the Vrensos era, whereby you just throw money at things and hope it sticks. Um, I, you know, Taylor still has a year of contract after this uh, after this season, but I'd be quite surprised if he comes back to the city ground, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think if it works out for him at Birmingham, he'll go there permanently and and work alongside Lebo Yahoo of course, got so much out of him at Charlton. I do wonder with Taylor, did we sign him because he played well against us for Charlton? He scored him in the game at the Valley and then in the uh, the game to forget at the City ground, he was the one that, that scored the goal. And to be fair to him, he did look a very good player. But when you reflect on the transfer and perhaps the reasons why he was brought in, I think it was a, a needs-must transfer. We need a striker, always available and He's he's almost the the informed guy at the moment, so let's go and get him before somebody else does. Without really thinking about how he could fit into the team, the way we were playing, and and perhaps the qualities that he offered, I, I don't think they were quite suited to to the way Forrest set up at the time. And even so, under Steve Cooper now as well, I, he's played and he's he's contributed. He's chipped in with some goals, but I don't see him as a Steve Cooper player. And I think for that reason, he will he will be moved on in the summer. Yeah, I think um, it's fair to say that, um, uh, I mean, that night was notable for, for two, two career-defining performances. One was by Lyle Taylor, which got him his big money, well, his, his, um, his move that has set him up as a, as a man in terms of financially and so on. And then the other one was Guy Tan Bong, who, of course, is still at the city ground and still picking up his wages and still getting on the bench every week somehow. Now, Adam, I'm going to come to you because the, the big one, the name that's on everyone's lips, the source of much debate and discussion and arguments, let's be honest, over the last three and a half years, Mr. Joao Carvalho has left the building. Yeah, um... And I hope that Olympiacos have chucked us over like 20 million quid for him because that'd be absolutely fantastic, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, now, look, what what can I say about Gial that's not already been said? Like, it, it, anyone that watches Forest, anyone that watches football can look at Gial Carvalho on a pitch and say, that lad is a talented footballer. That lad on his day is absolutely fantastic because, you know, it's very easy to think back to the, middle, that the, the Middlesbrough performance where he absolutely had Aidan Flint on strings and just 
he was absolutely brilliant. I was in for now, I've said that. But yeah, he, one of the best individual performances I've probably seen at the city ground. He was absolutely brilliant that day. Um, but the reason that that didn't happen so much, I, I reckon you could say it's 50-50 his fault, management fault, whatever it might be. Um, because he just never really had a consistent run of games. I mean, he did under Karanka. Obviously, under Karanka, he looked fantastic. He was starting most games. Towards... <laughs> Obviously, Martin O'Neill came in, and I think we all knew that when Martin O'Neill came in, that Jacques Carvalho was not going to be his type of player. Um, and I just, I just it never seemed to get that sort of 30, 40 game stretch where he got to show us what he could do week in, week out. We had moments of magic from him. And to be honest, I, I wish him all the best. And I genuinely hope that he lights up the Greek League. I hope he's brilliant. I hope he gets a big move in the future because, you know, I think he's a great lad. But I, for whatever reason, it's not worked out, and I think the price tag bothers Forest fans maybe more than more than his performances do in a way. When when he comes on the pitch, when he's been subbed on on a Cooper, and people, you know, he doesn't score a goal, and it's like, or he doesn't make, he doesn't put on a goal for somebody else, and it's like, well, he's come on and he's done nothing. Well, that's not necessarily true. He's come on and done as much as another player would, but he cost thirteen million, and Joe Lolly didn't cost thirteen million, or you know, Brennan Johnson's come for the youth academy. And I think sometimes a price tag can base, ha- have some sort of opinion based on that. And it's it's not his fault that we paid that much money for him. And I think that's always played him since he walked through the door. But look, I wish him all the best. I think if we were to be able to get the best out of Jack Carrelio, then he wouldn't still be at Forest. I think he mm-hmm. would have moved on. And I think that's the key point to remember that if, if he had lived up to the talent that we saw occasionally permanently, you know, game in, game out consistently, he wouldn't be a forest. He would have he would have got a Premier League move anyway. So it's a shame but these things happen, don't they? Not every player works out at every club, unfortunately. Yeah. So a couple of things that I want to just reflect upon and Stephen I appreciate your brief thoughts on this. Number one, as Adam says, the price tag uh it's unless you are Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi when they were at a similar age it's quite hard to put that bigger price tag on a player who was only 20 or 21 when we signed him. So that's bound to have played on his mind. Also moving to a new country and everything. It looks, it looks and sounds like he and um, his girlfriend did everything they could to settle down in Nottingham. And then this brings me to the other thing, which again, is symptomatic of the old regime players being moved around like pieces of meat. And that's something that I really hope doesn't happen anymore under the new regime. What do you think? Yeah, I I hope now that there is a a more strategic way of signing players and the way that players are managed as well is is handled more sensitively and perhaps, uh, you know, it's just there's more thought gone into it. And I do get the impression with, the likes of Vrentros and people like that pulling the strings, that the club was lurching from one direction to another and there was no no clear plan for how we wanted to progress and the kind of players we were looking for, the kind of managers we wanted to appoint. And then that's where you end up with somebody like João Carvalho, who's almost been caught up in the middle of that. He had a manager in Itor who wanted to make him the focal point of the team, give him that number 10 role week in, week out. And even if... There were a few games where he was off the boil. He was still Karanka's main player and he was he was given that trust to to take on that number 10 shirt. But we go from different manager to different manager. The other managers don't fancy him. 
that's fine. That happens in football, but it comes back to the price tag. Then when you've paid thirty million pounds, there's almost it creates an expectation around a player that one he should be playing every week, and two he should be doing something every week, and that's perhaps not always fair, especially for somebody as young as Jao Carvalho was when we signed him. So hopefully the it's an example of where if you if you don't have that strategic thinking, you don't have that plan in place of how to sign players and progress them, this is what can happen. And I hope now that our money as a club is, is, is spent more sensibly and more thought goes into the signings we make, the type of players we bring in, we bring in and also how we manage players and, and expectations of them as well. We have kept hold of Brennan Johnson and Joe Worrell. And of course, that we've kept hold of Jed Spence. Um, the terms and conditions of that are a little bit uncertain. The club have never confirmed that they've signed a renewed agreement and a new fee for Jed Spence. But we're very lucky that Middlesbrough have the two best right wing backs in the uh, in the league. And therefore, we've got to keep one of them, aren't we? Yeah. Do you know what? It's a strange one with Spence because I think that they, they definitely took the player's opinion into it, right? Because if you're Middlesbrough, you're looking at Forest and thinking they are a playoff rival. They're, they're, we're, we're a couple of points within each other. Um, we could really weaken them by taking Spence off them. And that might sound cynical, but I'm sure that that was at the forefront of a lot of Borough fans' minds. Um, and it would be, at my mind, if I was a Borough fan, you know what I mean? I think that's... But I think that the player has always stated that he wants to stay at the club. He clearly he's clearly enjoying his time at Forest. Um, I don't think that Middlesbrough fans. I mean, when when he left, I remember reading a lot about what Middlesbrough fans said about him when he came to us originally, and they just didn't rate him. I, I didn't see many of the Middlesbrough fans that even rated him at all. Um, so I think that us keeping him, in my opinion, was based based on the fact that he wanted to be here and he wanted to stay. You know, I think that if if Middlesbrough took him back. He could have loaned him out to either another championship club or just sold him permanently. I mean, after the performance against Arsenal, I've got a few friends that are Arsenal fans that are like, you know, we should sign him. Like, you know, he's young, he's he's, he's fantastic, he's dynamic, he's this, you know. And I think that us keeping him for the rest of the season is one of the biggest signings that like, we've probably made. Like, it's, it's I think it's fantastic. Um, obviously, I didn't, I don't know about Joe Warrow, I didn't think he'd leave. I didn't think he'd leave in January. I don't I think, obviously, Joe, we all know that he loves the club. He we also strategically broke his rib so that no one would sign him in January. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, he's strapped, you know, I think it's like, it's, I, I, I never got the impression that he's been the sort of player that's going to leave in January and maybe slightly leave us in the lurch and stuff. I mean, he's a Forest fan, he loves the club. I, I can see that he will leave in the future if we don't get promoted. I think you'd expect him to. He has to further his career and play in the Premier League. Um, Brennan was a really interesting one because obviously... You get offered what I mean, what we believe to be eighteen million pounds plus some add-ons and things like that. Um, that's a lot of money. So it's a lot of money, especially in a you know coming out of COVID and that sort of thing. Clubs, financially speaking, can't really afford to reject such big bids. But I think that probably shows the direction the club's going in. That you know, you've got a young player who's got seven goals, five assists in the championship this season. He's still only twenty years old. He's just going to improve so much. He's got such a high ceiling. And to be able to keep a player like that and to be able to say to Brentford, no thanks, you know, we'll, we'll keep him for the rest of the season. We don't want 18 million. 
when he's got 18 months left on his contract as well, is a massive statement. And it's it's Dave Murphy sort of saying that we are not going to be a club that sells our best players unless unless we have to, unless the money's right, unless Brennan wanted to leave, which I don't think Brennan ever wanted to leave. His dad said that he didn't want to leave. Um, his dad said that the move wasn't on. And I, I tend to believe that, of course. So, yeah, I think keeping Brennan's massive for us. I think that I would love him. And I think every Forest fan would agree. I'm just, I would love him to sign that new deal. I think that I, in a way, it doesn't matter what, what he wants, just like put the contract on the table and just say, look, tell us what you want. We'll give it you sign for a new, what, four or five year deal. Because even if you just use that contract to get a bigger transfer fee in the future, I think it, it's we've got to do that. It, he's got to sign that new deal. I think that'd be fantastic for us, especially in the summer when he's only got 12 months left on his deal. Mm. And uh, one of the things that really struck me about turning down Eighteen million pounds for Johnson was the fact that I read that Liverpool, uh, in their proposed deal for Fabio Carvalho, who hasn't played as many matches but has played a few in the Premier League, has made a massive contribution in terms of goals and assists. The fee was going to be eight million plus add-ons. So it just shows that Forest were really, really steadfast in turning down eighteen million for for Johnson. Um, Stephen, I'm just going to come to you about the two that got away. Jed Wallace and Josh Bowler. Any thoughts there? I think we were simply priced out of moves for both of them. The Josh Bowler deal was, in the end, rumoured to be, believed to be £3 million an offer uh, that, that, that was put in by Bournemouth, and that was rejected. And I think Forrest could have offered something similar to that as well. But £3 million for for a player who is only really playing his first season of championship football. Actually, we're not going to be spending money unnecessarily. We're also now going to try and find players, find the right players, but also, more importantly, pay the right price for them. So we're not going to see another 13 million on João Carvalho. We're not going to spend silly money where, where it's not needed. And... As, so it's, it shows actually a difference in our strategy. While we are becoming more savvy in terms of holding on to our players and making sure we get the best price for a Brennan Johnson or somebody like that, we're also now prepared to say, no, we're not just going to pay money for the sake of it and just to get a player through the door. We will pay the money that we believe he's worth and we'll, we'll pay a fair price. And same for Jed Wallace. Rumours were Millwall wanted £9 million for him, depending where you re- read that. It might be one that we try and revisit in the summer room and we pick him up on a free. And if that's the case, then he would still be a, a brilliant signing for us, particularly if we are in the championship, because he's somebody who's been there and done it and knows how to deliver at this level. Yeah. OK. And and Adam, uh, as um, Stephen mentioned, uh, the other club meant, uh, interested in Josh Bowler were Bournemouth. Just a very quick word for them, because they seem to have gone for... Uh, the system that Forrest went for a couple of years ago, which is let's just sign everyone and hope that that means it will be all right. Yeah. Um, difference being that Bournemouth have signed players that you, you, you'd assume will definitely do well for them at this level. I mean, they've signed Kiefer Moore, who for me is a fantastic striker, Sariki Dembele, who we were interested in. And I'm a little bit gutted that we didn't sign because I really like him. Um, Todd Cantwell, which is a ridiculous signing for this level, he is such a terrific footballer. And I think to get him at this level um, 
is a bit crazy. Um, obviously, side Freddie Woodman, which I don't really understand. I, I don't get that one as much because I think Travers has been a really good goalkeeper this season. So I think it, I don't know if Woodman's a backup or that would. It's a strange signing for me. You see, this is the point I was going to make because uh, I mean I don't want to dwell on Bournemouth because this is a Forest podcast, but you can only you can only play 11, 11 players in any any one match. Yeah, I mean imagine they sign Josh Bowler as well. I and mean, where does he go? Where does he does he play for Bournemouth? I don't think he does. And I think well, I wonder if that's read... why it didn't work out because maybe Bowler said I don't want, don't want to go there because they've got basically every other player in the championship, many of whom are higher value than me, and therefore they're more likely to play than I am. Um, it's, it's very possible. And, and you know, I don't want to put words in people's mouths, but Tom of this parish has grumbled quite a lot about the effect of parachute payments. This is just another illustration, isn't it, that that increasingly we've got a two-tier championship. Yeah, I mean, we can do a two-hour podcast if you want on parachute payments, because I, I absolutely despise them. But that's... I think it's a system that needs to be revisited by the EFL. But I think that um, with the Josh Bowler one, I've read a lot from the the Blackpool side of things that apparently he rejected both moves either way. So even if they were, we were to able to agree a fee with them, he didn't want to leave. He didn't want to leave Blackpool. Um, I think in a way I do respect that because he was a young player. He's playing football. Is he better than Zinconagel or Johnson? I don't think so. Probably not. I don't. He's not guaranteed to start for Forest. Um, in my opinion. So I think that staying where you're playing football, especially the fact that he's only 22, I think is a smart move by him in a way. Um, I've seen a lot of Forest fans say it lacks ambition, um, not joining a club like Forest or Bournemouth. I don't agree with that personally, because I think that ultimately, if you're a young player, you want to play football every week and he's going to start gaming game out for Blackpool. He's not got, I, I, I swear with Bowler, he's not got a long contract with them either. So I think in the summer they've got an option for a, a further year and that can be extended anyway. Yeah. But he doesn't have a long contract with them. So I think that he's probably thinking if I stay at Blackpool for the next six months, I absolutely smash it. I get some more goals and assists, look even better. Then in that time, I'll get whatever move I want in the summer. And, you know, it's a better time. It's always a better time to move in the summer anyway. For a, If you're a player, you don't, you don't ideally want to move in January. It's a difficult window anyway. You'd rather move in the summer. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if he does leave in the summer and maybe if we go back in for him. But you only want players that want to be here, ultimately. And and Stephen, the other element there that Adam really, uh, alluded to was at the moment, Forrest have got Zinc and Argyle at fullback. We've got Spence and Lowe. We've got Keenan Davis up front. Um, you'd imagine that the club are now strategically thinking these are players who are on loan in the summer what we need to do is build a squad where we know what we've got and, and, and that we own them. And you would imagine that that would be a big draw when it comes to players like Bola and Wallace to kind of say, well, yeah, last season you might not have been first in the queue, but now that player isn't there anymore. And therefore there's a, there's a chance for you to play as a number 10 or as a winger or as a striker or as a fullback. Definitely. And as a club, we, we're a far more attractive proposition now than we were in the summer under Chris Hewton, because we, we're showing that we are a very capable championship side. And if we weren't to get promoted this season, and let's say we're in the playoffs and we fall short, or we drop to about seventh or eighth, you can see that we're a club going places with a manager who's going places as well. So that's going to be a big draw for somebody like a Josh Bowler or a Jeb Wallace to make the next move and also a potential step up to be in a promotion-challenging side. 
hopefully all being well. That's if we don't go up this season. But either way, I think yeah, we will need to be looking at at replacing these lone players, whether that's making some of the moves permanent or seeing now what other options are out there that who can come in and fill those roles. And I'm pretty confident that we'll do, we we we'll be able to do that because of the the strategy that's in place now and with Dane Murphy and Steve Cooper working together on transfers. I I think we're we're making sensible moves and I'd I'd back us in the transfer window in the summer to to add to the squad in the right way and where it needs to be added to. And and just uh, to add to that, I suspect that potentially if things work out all right, that adds a different dimension to the storage signing, which is not just we need to sign a striker because our main striker is, is out cropped, but also knowing that our main striker is out of contract in the summer. He's 34. There's every chance that Forrest will want to keep him and he will want to stay. But you know that you're going to have to start succession planning, basically. Um, so that's another element there. Now, just on the subject of Graben, um, Stephen, big loss. I have said all along that if he stays fit in every season he's been at Forest, he would score 20 goals in every season. Um, maybe last season was a slight exception, but even then he was cropped for half the season. Um, he's a player who has, like a fine wine, improved with age, and it's it's a big loss, isn't it? It is. He's been a key player for us in the, in our rise up the league with Cooper at the helm. And the way he plays, how he not only scores goals, but he brings other players into the game. He's a skillful footballer as well. He's a good all-rounder in that regard. So, yeah, he's going to be a big miss. And, and of course, his goals this season, you mentioned there, the 20-goal mark, he'd probably be on course to, to, to reach that again if, it's not, if not for this injury. He's on 13 goals for the season already, and that's in February. You'd back him to get 20 with a full run to, to May. But... Yeah, if he's out for two months, it is a big blow. But what we've done well is identify quickly an option to come in and and hopefully fill that gap. And and we won't be too hurt by Graben's absence. Whereas I think in previous seasons, when Graben's not been available, you've seen a real drop off in terms of Forrest's threat and also the way that we play. So hopefully, with the with the transfers that have come in, we. We don't feel Graben's absence quite as much, but nevertheless, of course, he's going to be a, a big miss for us. That is where we have to leave it. We will bring you a match report after the game against Leicester. We will be bringing you reports on um, all the matches coming up over the next few weeks. It's a big period. Uh, I want to say thank you very much to Stephen Topless for joining us today. Also to Adam, cycling defender, making his 1865 debut. And of course, thank you to you, listener, for joining us once again. Come on, you Reds. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.